in five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. Oh, and this is Daniel. <laughs> and this is Carla. We are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. You have a dog wiener in your face. <laughs> I really do. He doesn't feel bad about he it. He really doesn't. I've got Boris is standing over me as he usually does, but now he's made the chair recline all the way so I get the full effect. He wants you to use the Mighty Mouse microphone. <laughs> I'm I'm just not going to. He Today. recently was in the backyard letting Mighty Mouse throw up. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> Something about the warm weather today. He's all like, "I need to bark at everything." Well, it's because everybody's outside. Yeah, you he's dummy. like, "I need to bark, 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 bark." If dogs could talk, <laughs> what are they saying? They're saying, "Bark, bark, bark, bark." It's <laughs> funny. I think that's a Far Side comic. I love the Far Side. You're on the Far Side. I like the Near Side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we are. We're back. Went to a children's birthday party today. And let me tell you, kids are fucking weird. They're funny, though. I know. It was so funny. I mean, there's at an age where they're like maybe ob- obnoxious, I guess. But they're just dumb. It's just dumb. But <laughs> and it this was basically a high school reunion for me because everyone there graduated with me and everyone there married someone they also graduated with. So that means there were double the number of graduates there. Does that make sense? Except it's a lot of people. You went after a heathen public school child. I know. It's really a downgrade. And they'll send all their children (laughs) to Roncalli, and then they'll inbreed and send their children. And I can look at the kids and go, I know who your parents are. (laughs) They can probably do that for you, too. Oh, yeah. They were saying she looks like you or... She smells like you. Smells like you. Has a dirty mouth like you. Smells like you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Did she smell like shit that bad No. She had a bath. Oh, okay. I was joking. But there was one kid, I did say. He's, I was saying, you know, she said she smells like you. And I said she smelled that bad. And she smelled that yeah. much like you. Yep. Get it? We got it. We got Get it. it. Dunk in high school. Didn't wear deodorant. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. At some point. <laughs> no. Okay. So what was the kid, I don't know, age-wise? Was he still in diapers? He was like two. Two or so. But could walk well on his own and well enough to know I can get into whatever I want. <laughs> and we're sitting kind of closer to the food, so people are coming going a lot right by there. And I turn around, he's walking with a spoonful of salsa, <laughs> just walking back with the salsa. And he's not good at it because no, he's a two-year-old. Because he's two. <laughs> and his parents are one of them, just like, oh, you know, they see him. And he's like, <laughs> so I'm sipping on sauce. <laughs> that stupid YouTube video she watches was some hillbilly kid. In no shirt on, pajama bottoms, cowboy boots with a measuring cup full of tomato sauce or tomato something, and is sipping it with a spoon. She goes, "What are you doing?" I'm, I'm sipping, sipping on sauce. sauce. <laughs> so every time that kid came out, I was like, "I'm sipping on sauce." But then he started getting into the cooler, which was also right next to us, and was pulling out big chunks of ice and bringing them to me, <laughs> like you want icy bitch, and handing me some ice. I'm like, okay, thank you. He was, was funny. And then he came back with two forks. Like, I'm here to fork you up. <laughs> I was walking back with forks. He was really having a great yeah, time. Yeah, I wasn't stopping him. I was like, whatever. I don't care what you do. There's another kid army crawling with a chip in his hand. Just hope your child doesn't do anything dangerous in front of Danielle. Uh-oh. No. Walking up with a metal fork they were into a into a light socket. You go, I don't care what you do. You're your own person. Yeah, yeah you be do you. You do you. you. <laughs> 
<laughs> they were funny though. Yep. It was army crawling. That was cute. Yeah, away from his dad. I'm pretty sure <laughs> with a chip. And then the it was a one year old birthday party. It was Bob Marley themed. Yes, one love. So she was turning one, and it uh, so subtly about pot. It was subtle. It was underlight. No, it was really cute. It was much that more was original. So yeah, much more original than Mickey or Minnie, which is what we did. There was a giant like palm tree that was blown up, and it was the hit. It was assaulted frequently <laughs> by all these kids like humping on it and picking it up. I got hit in the head with it a couple times because they brought it around the room <laughs> and they're just like hitting <laughs> each other. They were humping it. Well, yeah, you know, like were. trying to get on it all the way, like they're going to climb it and they couldn't climb. Well, there's it. quite a bit of a difference between climbing on well, it. It looked like they were and humping sexually it. assaulting it. <laughs> it was a little bit of everything happening. Like your honor, I was just trying to climb up a foot. <laughs> To get to the top. <laughs> it was mistaken for humping. Yes. And the one-year-old was in a walker just zooming around the room. Was, she was having a blast. It looked like, I mean, fun for mm-hmm. her. A lot of fun. So stupid. Kids are so dumb. I just changed. Oh, yeah. Children. It was, I'm not really around a whole bunch of them a lot. No. And our daughter did real well with all of them. What is it? It was the, when we first got there, it was not as many kids, so... A four-year-old with her two-year-old sister. And every all the kids are just saying, how old? Like, the question is, how old are you? And they all say, how old I'm they four. are. You know, I'm four. I'm four. Oh, I, one kid was like this. Five. Like, he's five. Like, I'm, I'm five. the oldest here. And But the four-year-old's, like, two-year-old sister would just be like, two. Two. What up? <laughs> what? Two. She was like. I'm four. You're four. We're twins. Yeah, we're they four. said that. And then the sister's just like, two. Two. She did. She did it like that, or like Winston every- Churchill. Yeah, she. She's like, "Sup? What are you gonna do about it? Come at me!" And even the mom was like, "She's crazy. Like, she's the crazy <laughs> two. one." She's like, "I'm two. What?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I was. I was very much entertained. Entertained. Sipping out south. I'm sipping out south. Yeah, yeah. There were some heathen kids there too that just were going for the cookies and the like cupcakes and everything. And they were like, one, they, they were trying to open them like they were Oreos. They were big sugar cookies with like the fancy <laughs> icing, trying to open them like Oreos. And when it didn't work, they just put them back. <laughs> and I was like, don't eat the cookie. Don't, don't eat the cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of her when she was probably two, where she got an Oreo. I gave her a couple Oreos, and all she did was spin them apart. Lick the inside of them and then throw the cookies down. Yep. <laughs> Solid child. I'm going to go for the innards. Yep, they were all real excited. Cake. She did some cake smushing. Right? Our kid wasn't real impressed with the cake smush. No, she was like, what do you want? What do you want me to do with you this? To touch it? It's a waste of a perfectly good cake. So, did I tell you what she did with a, a set of my underwear? No. This was a little while ago. But I was on the phone with Daniel's mom, and she could sense that I was on the phone, and therefore had less control. And I had my laundry out on the bed. She gets into one of my thongs, <laughs> puts both legs in, and then straps the ed- the sides up over her shoulders, <laughs> and is like, ta-da! <laughs> like fucking Borat! That's what she looked like! And I was doing the, the mom like, no. I was trying not to laugh because <laughs> I was talking to your mom. I was like, stop. It's not. I mean, it's one thing for them to put the so, balls on, but wearing my thong, like, like <laughs> I don't, I don't Kevin know. actually went out and um, bought, like, a couple of those. Banana the actual bor- The actual Borat thongs. Uh-huh. And so one day I'm standing there and Fish walks into my office wearing it. 
Over his clothes? Okay, okay. No, no, (laughs) you never know. With him, you never know. It was his day off, so it was okay. People weren't sure if he actually worked there or not. (laughs) I can tell you what, if someone did walk into the store dressed like that, the police would be called very quickly. Really? You guys wouldn't just be like, all right, let's take photos. Yeah, I don't think they're here to buy a car. Pictures would be taken, but. I'm like, are you here to buy a car with you and your banana hammock? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can assume that. They're not there to buy a car. <laughs> oh no, you see people come in like it's tube top and Daisy Dork, Daisy Dork, Daisy Short, Daisy, Daisy Duke shorts. That's what I always tell people. As soon as it gets warm, I'm showing up in my Daisy Dukes and a tube top. Yep. Because <laughs> I feel like saying the tube top is the most shocking of the two between the Daisy Dukes. It is. So <laughs> it is the tube top. See it second. I don't understand how you can wear tube tops. I need the extra support. My well, military grade. With my, with my titties, you know, <laughs> they'll hang out. They'll hang out. Hang mm-hmm. out. I use tape. What were we watching? The Last Czar on Netflix. It's like half movie, half documentary. I like it. Uh-huh. But that woman's titties are so tiny. I didn't know what to do with her. Watching, you don't do anything. Watching, I was like, I feel like this is really uncomfortable because she looked too, like, too young to have her shirt off. Oh, wow. But she oh, wasn't. She was She was a full-grown woman, but it just her boobs are so tiny. But I don't know because I look the other way. But I'm just yeah. like, think of how much money you would mm-hmm. save not having to wear a bra. Bras I mean, expire. And I keep wearing You don't have to wear one. Yes, you do. That's what people are talking about. Like, we could do, we could set up on YouTube. You know, you can go without wearing one. But when people are staring at your tits, you can't say, what are you looking at? No, yep. it's just like, so well, uncomfortable. Like, I, yep. have to, I have to have you know, them tucked up and put away. That whole thing, whether if you feel it was put there by God or by nature, that makes us want to reproduce. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you shut that off, humanity would die off. <laughs> so then... Uh, so that's your excuse? Global warming or any of that shit doesn't fucking matter just because population just goes to Because men anyways. can't look at women's boobs because exactly. the world would end. I understand. You you look at them too. I do. It's not just me. It's you. I don't know what it is. Well, been watching Love Is Blind, and all them girls be getting married with their titties out, and I'm like, is that a thing? Love Is Blind. Really? Yes. Oh my god. Their whole boob is showing. Okay. No, but it's close. Like you're edging closer to the nipple. Like I hope you have double sided tape on that type of thing. But I was like, in front of your friends and family, like I didn't want. Like I don't mind some cleavage. Like some is fine, but it was like you know a dropped. What do you call that? It comes down like here, just so there isn't any center. Not a dropped waist, drop neckline. There you go. Yeah. So the boobs are just boobs, and it's hard not to look at them. Oh, that's why they're wearing it. Yeah, that's a funky show, man. Where you meet someone through an ice wall. I don't. I haven't watched. And it then either. they have to propose for you to see each other. I then have you to get... wait for like the hype to die down on things before I watch them. I waited until all of them were out, but when we watched. Carla's just super cool and spiritual like I that. I just like to like. Be behind. She hasn't bit. even watched the Super Bowl yet. I haven't. <sighs> you know, <It's- laughs> she's avoiding social media, so she, it's not a spoiler for her. I just think I don't know. I just like uh, I don't want to jump on another bandwagon. Look at them titties. That's what I said. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. But the problem is, right now we're watching the NASCAR race. Yeah, so maybe some other time. But yeah, <laughs> you can't record. While the Lord's racing's going on. It was just a lot of me making dumb jokes at the air and no one was responding. So well, was like, maybe you I need sound... to improve your jokes. No, I maybe sound even dumber. Us. It was like, okay. No well, one's exactly. Gonna, you need no to... one's going to pick up the bait there. Just, okay. just, just be better. 
I can't just be better. <laughs> it's bad. I was like, I'm not funny on my own. Like, someone else has to be there. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> Sometimes I laugh at myself. Hey, what, who clogged the toilet as soon as they got here? <laughs> who fucking clogged the toilet as soon as they got here? I don't know who that was. Yeah, and Daniel's I- yelling in the door like, hey, Carla. You want any McDonald's? You're well, in there clogging I was trying. The toilet. I was trying to be nice. It was very nice of you to ask. But I what did I say? What did I say when I first walked out? It smells. I don't no. Know. Are you dead? <laughs> no. What did I say to you when I first came out of the room? I don't in my know. room. <laughs> I walked in. I heard the fan going in yeah. the bathroom, so I knew someone was in there, and <laughs> she was sitting out here. And I go. Then I figured I saw your car, and I said, "Did she just come over here to shit?" Yes, she did. It's something about being in this house, yeah, like instantly. Yeah, I have it's to the shit. house. It is. You She's know, like, where's we your have plunger? A- and I had to like lean my head in the bathroom like, instead uh, of a, instead uh. of a poltergeist. We have a pooper guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know what it is. Like, it. I'm just. I just wait till I get here. It's like a shot right through you. Yeah. <laughs> and right about now, someone is shutting us off and writing a terrible, a terrible, terrible, nasty review. review. You, can re- you can cut that. I get, I watch podcasts to listen to adults speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an yeah, adult. Act like you're it. above this kind of talk. Fucking, fucking fuck. Fucking fuck. <laughs> Language, gonna, children. I'm going to fork you up. That kid had two forks. Yeah. Fork, fork, fork. <laughs> You're in, more into that than I am. I like it. <laughs> She's into forking. <laughs> At least most of the time, you know. No. <laughs> forking leads to children. Only one. I was just thinking how smart I am. I was like, my kid is only one kid and all y'all is a dumb. I was like, does your bank account notice how many kids you have? Mine doesn't. <laughs> it, it doesn't? No, I mean it does. Yeah. 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 She clearly doesn't see what our bills are every Kids month. Kids are expensive. <laughs> I know that. But more than one. I don't know. I have, what is it? After three, you don't notice anymore? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. This is part two of the D.B. Cooper story, a.k.a. we're here to freak Carla out because she's freaked out by D.B. Cooper. We don't really know why. We think it's kind of because he looked, the like, composite is similar to the- This is something you made up. No, no, no. You said he freaked you out. You said I it. said he freaked me out, and you were like, yeah, because the composite I said like my this. theory was that it looks like the Zodiac composite. You don't get to have theories about my fears. I get to, too, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually kind of agree with Carla on this one. Yeah, yeah. I just really think it's the mystery behind like it. Like, if you're just... going to, you, uh, how do you have a theory about somebody that's sitting right here? Like, why don't you just ask him? Yeah. Carla, why are you afraid of the Zodiac? I'm not. Wait. D.B. <laughs> Cooper. She doesn't know. It's the it's like the fear of the unknown. I don't know. Like there's so many so many things that could potentially have happened. And it just like it kind of freaks me out a little yeah. bit. It deterred any of your skydiving dreams? I'm, I'll never skydive. No. Don't ask me. Or bungee jump. Is that where they have it tied to your feet? I'd much rather do that than skydive. Oh, no. You say that until you're uh, you're standing, and the cord's the only thing that prevents you from going <laughs> like, splat. Like, how good is this cord? How many how many times has this cord been used? At least if you at least if you uh, fall during uh, skydiving, odds are you'll uh, the last thing you'll have known, see, seen, or felt is the wind. Wee! You're probably <laughs> not saying we. What is the show where they tie? tie bricks to string and then you tie the string to your dick and then they were making the guys throw the bricks off the side of a building and you just had to trust that your brothers gave you enough string 
This is like oh my boy Blue. What's it? <clears throat> yeah, it's old school. Old school. And they gave everyone enough string, except one landed in the sewer grate, like the man cover manhole. They they put it's a whole thing about trust. Yeah. So they drop it, and then the string. You know, you're trusting that you know they're going to help. You're going to be able to hold up with your dick, but there's. Enough string, it goes down and hits the ground, and there's enough slack the entire time. So they're okay. just like testing them. But sense. one hits and goes through a sewer, a manhole, and so it goes all the way down, and pulls the guy off the building. <gasps> By his dick. Love that Did movie. he die? No, I don't know. Blue dies. No. I love you, Blue. I thought the old man dies at some point. Yeah, that's not Blue that that happens to. What do you want? What would you like to wager? <laughs> Nothing. What would My you like to wager? My theory about your incorrect thought is that you're stupid <laughs> and you don't know. Yeah, I'll show you enough string. I've been cutting string all day. You she want was trimming t- her tampons. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not advisable. Don't do that. <laughs> You're just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. You're just a boy. Okay. Stop this is part hands. two. So listen to part one first. We had a. Technical difficulties last week, so this is a redo, right? Right. Right. And both of you are paying lots of attention. Can I call a timeout if I need to not pay attention for a second? Yeah. Sure. No, just keep talking. Okay. Actually, I got to pee. <laughs> I had me about 15 Dr. Peppers. We can't know. Is we can't possibly know. What? Ew! Who said that? Who? Look it up. Look I don't, up. Want, I don't want that to be in my search history. There's a private search. I want to. I should be using a private private search. (laughs) It does. I said, does Dr. Pepper M.A. make you poop? Does Dr. Pepper make your vag smell? Click on it. Does Dr. Pepper make you live longer? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you will live longer, but your vagina will smell. (laughs) Click on it. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Pepper makes vagina smell? Question mark, question mark. Okay, I get this is from Reddit. He said, soda makes your vagina sting. Dr. Pepper especially. Sounds like your boyfriend is going to have to do a double blind smell test. (laughs) Girl, GF's pussy smells like onions. Okay, Cupid, I don't know what I mean if I'm in Reddit. If you've ever been told your vagina smells bad, let's talk about smelly vaginas. I just had stinky vagina sex. (laughs) I'm in Reddit. I don't know. I don't understand. Nine surprising foods that can impact your vaginal health. That sounds more accurate. Maybe I might click. But now it's just because I typed in doctor. So it's like doctors are robbing you. Foods that change your smell and taste down there. Your vagina is a self-cleaning oven. It does not need any products to make it smell better or to be cleaner. Go to hellogiggles.com. No. They just keep selling self-cleaning oven. That's just to make us all feel better. I love Dr. Pepper. (laughs) I don't want that to happen to me. (laughs) Anything with a lot of chemicals can make your vagina stink. Eating pineapples and other fruits can make it smell better. So that's, <laughs> Daniel, I can't believe you Was said I right? that. Yes. I mean, yes. there's definitely some, some questions around it. Yes. And there's also, uh, like they say, like if you eat pineapple, it, it makes your semen taste better. Like sweet. So, Daniel, I got a surprise. No. I've <laughs> eaten an entire pineapple a day. <laughs> that'll get your mouth, you know, like that. It's got enzymes and pineapples. Uh, that's not how it down. works. Yeah, huh? That's not how it works. What? 
that, that doesn't transfer. I'm just saying what? your mouth would hurt if you ate Does drinking pineapple. Dr. Oh, Pepper yeah. make your vaginas stink? Plural, if you have more than one <laughs> vagina. All of your vaginas. Makes your vaginas stink. I always heard in middle school where quality information is obtained. <laughs> yep. Tonight, I told my boyfriend that if I could just cut soda out, I would lose a few pounds. He said, soda makes your vagina stink. Dr. Pepper specialist, specifically. <laughs> we went back and forth for a while, and now I'm here. <laughs> it's redded. <laughs> we went back and forth for a while, and now I'm here. Has anyone tried it? Experiment with him. Let us know. <laughs> there are foods that can affect it, such as asparagus. Yeah, well, we don't. Makes your pee smell. What makes yeah. sense? Yeah. Overall diet can affect your pH. Ugh, I can't say the word discharge. Ugh. It sounds like your boyfriend is going to have to do a double blind smell test for <laughs> science. But seriously, I've never heard of this. Dr. Pepper is awesome. So it would surprise <laughs> me. Please report back if you do conduct science. <laughs> if you conduct a science. <laughs> here, I got Dr. Pepper right here, Danielle. No. What the hell does and this mean? And I know mean? exactly how it smells. Okay, I think I got to stop, but that's funny. What about funny. Diet Dr. Pepper? <laughs> what about Diet Dr. Pepper? I don't like Dr. Pepper. I like diet. Although you'd have to think, if there's a, a soda that you can drink that actually kind of changes your, your body chemistry to some extent, should you really be consuming it? I'm going to go with a no. I'm going to go with no. I don't know if I care. Unless it's something <laughs> that would make you fart sparkles. <gasps> a sparkle farkle. <laughs> The problem is every time you farted in public, you'd have to pull down your pants. Like Guy Diamond, the troll. It's a troll that farts sparkles. Oh, yeah. He does fart. He's my oh, he sparkles. does? <laughs> yeah, he's Damn, my Damn, I thought I was being original. Yeah, I think they have him at Universal now, they too. Do, the character the actually- Sparkles come out of his butt. Yeah, as he walks around the park. It's not Disney. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as wholesome. Okay. We can do it. So we're picking up with a few suspects. I've cut the information way down. We've heard. Okay. I just want you to be okay. <laughs> they had- Okay, between 19... <coughs> Sorry, I choked on my Dr. Pepper. Between 1971 and 2016... My name's Dr. Pepper. The FBI processed over a thousand <laughs> serious suspects. A thousand. So if you and were, we're a man... And we're going to talk, we're only going to talk tonight, about 270. If you were a man that had ever jumped from an airplane, you were a suspect. Fair. Okay, so we're going to start with... This one man. In 2003, a man believed that his brother, Kenneth Christensen, was D.B. Cooper after, even after the FBI disagreed with him. In 2010, a book was published postulating that Christensen was the hijacker and was the subject of a History Channel series. Christensen was in the Army as a paratrooper and worked for Northwest Orient as a mechanic. Northwest is the, Northwest Orient is the airliner. Northwest is the name of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian West child. Is that trademark? Like, can you say that copyright? Can you I can say, say those two words. If well, I there's want. a space in the middle. <laughs> and as a mechanic <laughs> in 1954, he was, however, shorter and lighter complected than eyewitness descriptions. But he did smoke and had a fondness for bourbon, which they've decided D.B. Cooper likes because he ordered it twice on a plane. He paid for it, though. I don't know. I had two glasses of Chardonnay. You know, you'd, ha really like you'd have yeah. to think in a case like this, all the fine details is what matters, you know. Yeah, but um, True. yeah. But if they said you're a Chardonnay drinker cuz you ordered two Chardonnay last night, you'd be like, "I'm not really." You would assume it, you he was drinking to relax himself. Yeah, okay. And that was what he went to. Okay, I like that. And he was left-handed based on how that he the tie was clipped on, whichever way is a left-handed way. I don't wear a tie usually. 
And it was later proven that he did not purchase a house with a large sum of cash after the hijacking and had sold off almost two dozen acres of land, thus accounting for the large sum of money in his bank account. So people are like, oh, he bought a house with cash and he has all this money. And it's like, no, he sold stuff to get that money. Like how things work. Things. Things. While dying of cancer in 1994, he told his brother, there's something you should know, but I cannot tell you. It's like, motherfucker. (laughs) Like, funny. You should tell me right now. And his brother never pressed him to explain. The FBI stated Christensen didn't match the physical description and had a level of skydiving expertise above the predicted amount. So that's the thing. The FBI goes back and forth. Either you have too much experience or not enough of experience. Like, yeah, that's it's very contradictory. Okay. Jack Coffelt was a con man, ex-convict, and purported government informant. In 1972, he began claiming he was Cooper and attempted to sell his story to a Hollywood production company stating that he lost the money and injured his leg during the jump. Cofelt bears a resemblance to uh, composite drawings, but was in his mid-50s at the time. The FBI concluded that his story differed significantly from details and information that has not been made public. My question is, like, did that information ever get made public, or are they still, like, holding that stuff back? I don't think we'll ever know. Mm -mm. Lynn Doyle Cooper, so actually has the name Cooper, was a Korean War veteran and proposed sub- suspect in July 2011 by his niece that had overheard a very mischievous conversation that her uncle had been planning with expensive walkie-talkies, which, ooh, which can only mean one thing. Just be glad I didn't fart into the mic. <laughs> Always are. Ty I like Jack. to change around the. Uh, I like to change around the wind socks on the microphone. So we never know. <laughs> no, I like to switch it out with Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. that way I'm getting a fresh one. <laughs> the next day flight 301 was hijacked and lynn doyle came home wearing a bloody shirt that he claimed was from an auto accident he died in 1999 but was obsessed with the canadian comic book hero dan cooper the fbi reported that his dna did not match the dna profile they had but acknowledged once again that there is no certainty that the hijacker was the source of the organic material obtained from the tie so they have dna from the tie but they're like we can't prove that that's from the whoever hijacked the plane right like, what if, I don't know, someone adjusted his tie for him, like, b- while he was getting on somewhere? Like, here, let me help you with that. And now their DNA is on it. I'm a wealth of knowledge. Barbara Dayton was a recreational pilot and librarian and was born Robert Dayton in 1926 and served in the Army during World War II. Dayton had experience working with explosive and with explosives and aspired to be a professional airline pilot but as, was never able to obtain a license. Dayton had undergone gender reassignment surgery in 1969, which is really early. I don't know when it became a thing, and then adopted the name Barbara, claiming to have st- staged the Cooper hijacking two years later, disguised as a man. So, so it was a woman had um, no, a man became a woman, but then the woman dressed as a man to hijack the plane. Is it brilliant? I think it it's might be. Me. Finkel is Ihorn. Ihorn is Finkel. <laughs> And then to get back at the airline industry and the FAA, whose rules and conditions had prevented her from becoming a pilot. At least there's actually some motive on this Yeah, like that makes sense. Like a little bit of motive. Dayton said that the ransom money was hidden in a cistern near Woodburn, a suburban area south of Portland, but eventually recanted the entire story ostensibly after learning that the hijacking charges could still be brought. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I can still get in trouble for this shit? What? Oh, never mind. The FBI has... Oh, yeah, I I didn't do that, actually. I didn't. It was a joke. 
The FBI has never commented publicly on Dayton, who died in 2002. So they had filed paperwork in absentia. John Doe, a.k.a. Dan Cooper, in absentia for the crime of hijacking. So they filed paperwork, meaning that if they ever figured out who, they could press charges. She probably didn't do it, but I don't know. William Gossett was a Marine, Army, and Air, Army Air Force veteran, and inclu- which included advanced jump training and wilderness survival. Gossett was widely known to be obsessed with the Cooper hijacking. He amassed a voluminous collection of Cooper-related news articles and told one of his, one of his wives that he knew enough about the case to write the epitaph for epitaph, epitaph for <laughs> D.B. Cooper. According to Galen Cook, a lawyer who was uh, collecting information related to Gossett for years, Gossett once showed his sons a key to a Vancouver, British Columbia safe deposit box, which he claimed contained the long-missing ransom money. Gossett's eldest son, Greg, Greg, said that his father, a compulsive gambler who was always strapped for cash, showed him wads of cash just before Christmas. And weeks later, the Cooper hijacking, he speculated that the Gossett, that Gossett gambled the money away in Las Vegas. But I was like, but didn't they warn Vegas in like other places that worked in cash only, like racetracks and stuff like, hey, this is the serial number on that cash and we want it back. You'd think, unless he like held on to it for years. Yeah. 1988, Gossett changed his name to Wolfgang and became a Roman Catholic priest. I want a priest named Wolfgang. I do. Same. <laughs> Which is lawyer and other. If I became if I became a priest, do I get to change my name? Do I get to pick a new name like I don't the Pope know. does? They, yeah, they do. I think really. Yeah, but the one Pope was so obviously. Blaster. I don't think it's got to be a, a name out of the Bible because I don't think there's a Wolfgang. Is there? That would be interesting. In the there Bible. may be like you never know. Wolfgang Amadeus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> that was who was name. the uh, third cousin of Jesus and James Christ. <laughs> And Mary Christ, Mary and Joseph Chrysler. Christ, Chrysler. Mary I'm Chrysler. <laughs> fairly certain you get to pick a name when but you're ordained, the but you don't have to go by it. That he's an alcoholic, but it's over. But his last name is Plaster. Like, wouldn't he have picked something else? Well, maybe he didn't want to change his name. Okay, I didn't know if you get to pick something. I'm fairly certain you. Get I would to pick, pick a, a very hard Italian name to pronounce. Like Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Father Fabrizio. And you would only respond. And then they would call me, the children would call me Father Febreze. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Fazer Fabrizio. But you can call me Father Febreze. Like to let me practice confession. No. No. I tell your mom all the time, your mom will look at me and. God, I don't know when something like has to happen. Yeah, the weather. Oh, the weather just needs to be nice tomorrow for whatever reason because they have a project or something they have to do. And your mother goes, "We need to pray for blah 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 blah." Yeah. I go, "Eileen, you will say uh, sixty-five Hail Marys, <laughs> and you will get your wish." And then she'll start doing them. Eileen, <laughs> Eileen. <laughs> someone we went out to dinner with all your the female. Females in your family, someone was like, I don't understand how the rosary works. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh, All this right. is what we're doing tonight? <laughs> Did you bring one with you yeah. so I can at least show you? Yep. <laughs> well, this is what we're doing tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That, we had a good time. Okay. So Wolfgang, which is ridiculous, the lawyer and others interpret it as an effort to disguise his identity, which would, if you change your name to something silly and became a priest, it would, I mean, does that hide you? It would been better if his name was like John Doe. Father and priest. Father Doe. Father Doe. A Doe a deer. But you can call me Dobe Doe. <laughs> Dobe Doe. And then 
I have my I have a child. His name's Dill. <laughs> I didn't know it. I walked into it. Yep. I walked into the that dildo. Was a, that was a joke about Rugrats. That yes. the, the pickles the changed dildo. their name to, to Doe. Stu <laughs> Doe, Tommy Doe, and Dildo. <laughs> That's good. There's a certain pitch in her laugh that I know I, I got her. I got her. She like uh, walked. I, I immediately knew where you're going with that. <laughs> I didn't at all. I was like, what? That's how we survive in thinking... this marriage is because like I managed to stay a step ahead with the jokes. Yeah. I was thinking doe a deer. I feel like I was thinking that in my head. <laughs> but here's, here's one thing, Carly, you will not stump her on. Popsicle stick jokes. <laughs> you read you good. whatever. We we went like seven popsicle sticks in a row. Finish the popsicle, read the joke. She knew the answer to it. And it would make him mad. What do you like, call a twitchy cow? <laughs> I'm put on the spot. It's too hard. Beef jerky. Beef jerky, yeah. It was like, but uh, it wasn't a, on a stick. Yeah, what does a hot dog say? We'll call itself when it wins a race. And I was like, wiener. <laughs> I'm a wiener. <laughs> so you're saying that you get like... The inappropriate, <laughs> like stupid jokes. See, oh yeah, they're extra stupid. <laughs> they're like worse than dad jokes. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, Welcome back, folks. We're here. Don't worry. Instead of having commercials, yeah, where we'd be, we have paid, breaks where we get a little bit off topic, and we're no one, and we're not getting paid for that. So it should make you feel even better. In an effort to disguise himself. Other circumstantial evidence included testimony that Cook, uh, the lawyer. Claims to have obtained from William Mitchell, a passenger on the hijacked aircraft, regarding a mysterious physical detail, which he will not divulge. Third nipple. Yep. Coming to the <laughs> hijacker and Gossett. So William Gossett and the hijacker both have a third nipple or something weird, like a physical defect. But it was like a mole, a giant molio, <laughs> guacamole. Like people, that would be in the composite. So it's like, yeah. did he pull his pants down? Like. Is there a birthmark that looks like Maybe shit? Maybe he bent over and your birthmark looks like, like shit. <laughs> like what is there that he was in a suit and tie? Like what birth? Like what physical? He had plumber's crack, and they saw <laughs> yeah. that he had Plum. a birthmark. You could have you could put a little spackle on the crackle <laughs> and fix that right up. <laughs> oh. The FBI has not has no direct evidence implicating Gossett and cannot even reliably place him in the Pacific Northwest at the time of the hijacking. There is not one link to the D.B. Cooper case as Special Agent Carr, other than the statements Gossett made to someone. So it's like, I'm saying this so it makes it true. Next up, Robert Richard Lepsey was a 33-year-old grocery store manager and married father of four from Garling, Michigan, who disappeared in October of 1969. His vehicle was found three days later at a local airport and a man matching Lepsey's description was reported seen boarding a flight to Mexico. Authorities concluded that Lepsey had left voluntarily and closed their investigation. He was declared legally dead in 1976. One of Lepsey's daughters submitted a DNA sample to the FBI in 2011 with unknown results. So this is an example of someone who would have robbed that bank. No, it's not a bank. <laughs> so, no, it's, a, it's a plane. He robbed the the insurance company, and they're really sour about it. He jumped out of a plane with the money and then disappeared. So it's like one day he was just gone and never contacted us again, never heard from him again. And he was a father of four. So, like, that's the example. That's how you get away with it. It's just you'd have to disappear and be like, oh, he left of his own free will. Okay, this one, John List, 
was an accountant, World War II and Korean War veteran who murdered his wife, three teenage children, and an 85-year-old mother in Westfield, New Jersey. Fifteen days before the Cooper hijacking, withdrew 200000 from his mo- mother's bank account and disappeared. This is a, a bigger case. A lot of people have talked about this one. Yeah. He came to the attention of the Cooper task force during, due to the timing of his disappearance, multiple matches to the hijacker's description and the reasoning that a fugitive accused of mass murder has nothing to lose. After his capture in 1989, List admitted to murdering his family but denied any involvement in the Cooper hijacking. Although his name continues to crop up in the Cooper articles and documentaries, no substantial evidence implicates him and the FBI no longer considers him a suspect. He died in prison in 2008. All the world is much better for it. He disappeared. He like really did disappear and changed the way he looked. I forget how it is that they caught him. That someone... Like, it was something really silly, like, well, we added glasses to the composite drawing 20 years later, and then he was caught the next day. Like, something <laughs> where it was just ridiculous. I can't remember specifically what it is. Yeah, we saw, we found him burning off his fingerprints in a bathroom and a gas station, so, you know, we took him in. We took him in for questioning, that is. Uh, Theodore E. Mayfield was a Special Forces veteran, pilot, competitive skydiver, and skydiving instructor who served time in 1994 for a ne- negligent homicide after two of his students died when their parachutes failed to open. Feeling real good about that skydiving thing. Later, he was found indirectly responsible for 13 additional skydiving deaths due to faulty equipment and maintenance. Faulty equipment and training. That's not what you 13. want 13 people. Like, did it all happen at once? Like a big skydiving group, you know, where they all hold hands in a circle to show off how good they are at falling. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> like, and they all died at once. I feel like you'd hear about that. Or was it just every so often a person would die? His criminal record also included armed robbery and transportation of a stolen aircraft. In 2010, he was sentenced to three years probation for piloting a plane 26 years after losing his pilot's license and rigging certifications. He was ruled out based partly on the fact that he called Hemmensbach, which is one of the investigators, less than two hours after Flight 305 landed in Reno to volunteer advice on standard skydiving practices and possible landing zones. Like, you are the worst person to give advice. Like, you're (laughs) bad at this. You're bad. Is that kind of like the other day where you said... Well, if I was just gonna, if I was just gonna bury a body, I'd call the police first and say it's right here. Then they'd go dig, and when they didn't find it, they'd go, "Oh, not there." And then I'd go back and actually bury the body there, and then put a dead dog on top of them. Sorry, Boris. I did apologize to Boris after I said it. <laughs> and I went because we were basically talking about I wouldn't help me get away. I wouldn't help anybody bury a body. Yeah, you 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 endanger yourself. Like things you always just things always just go better. See, Mayfield denied any involvement and repeated to previous assertions that the FBI called him five times while the hijacking was still in progress to ask about parachute local skydivers and skydiving techniques. So he's saying, no, 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 I didn't call them. They called me. And the FBI said, no, we did not call your dumbass. We did not. <laughs> You're bad at this. Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. was an Army veteran who served two tours of duty in Vietnam. First as a demolition expert and later with the Green Berets as a helicopter pilot. On April 7, 1972, McCoy staged the best known of the so-called copycat hijackings. He boarded United Airlines Flight 855, a Boeing 727, with aft stairs to Denver, Colorado, and brandishing what later proved to be a paperweight resembling a hand grenade. It's just a paperweight. It's fine. It's novelty. <laughs> and an unloaded handgun, he demanded four parachutes and 500000 in cash. 
After delivery of the money and parachutes at San Francisco International Airport, McCoy ordered the aircraft back into the sky and bailed out over Provo, Utah. Provo. Provo. God, I'll get murdered if you mispronounce things. I sound like a hick. Uneducated. Listen, I have some student loans to prove I'm slightly educated. (laughs) Provo, Utah, leaving behind his handwritten hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine he had been reading. Later, a handwriting expert compared the note found on the plane with McCoy's writing on the military service record and determined that McCoy had written the note. So this is a copycat that was also bad at it. If you're going to be a copycat, you should at least try to be good at it. He was arrested two days later with the ransom cash in his possession and after trial and conviction served a 45-year sentence. Two years later, he escaped from Lewis, Lewisburg, <laughs> it is Lewis, Lewisburg oh, okay. Federal Penitentiary with several accomplices by crashing a garbage truck through the main gate. Tracked down three months later in Virginia Beach, McCoy was killed in a shootout with the FBI agents. So they're saying he copycat. Like if he's D.B. Cooper... Got away with it and said, I didn't ask for enough money. I should try this again and ask for 500000 Like That wouldn't be a copycat. That would just yeah. be him Yeah, so it's as like, a serial hijacker. Yeah, so I don't know if they're saying he just happened. I don't know. Yeah. Good point. Serial hijacker. I'm brilliant. Although there is no reasonable doubt that McCoy committed the Denver hijacking, the FBI does not consider him a suspect in the Cooper case because of significant mismatches in age and description, level of skydiving skill well above that thought to be possessed by the hijacker, and credible evidence that McCoy was in Las Vegas on the day of the Portland hijacking and at home in Utah the day after having Thanksgiving dinner with his family. So he stole the plane in Denver, not Portland. Denver. Walter R. Recca. R-E-C-A. Born Walter R. Pekka. P-E-C-A. I don't know why he changed the one letter in his last name. For fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Michigan native, a military veteran, and original member of the Michigan Parachute Team. In 2008, Recca confessed to being D.B. Cooper to a friend via a recorded phone call. In a, over three hours of recordings, Recca gave new details about the hijacking that the public had not heard before. And this story goes on and on about how some dude... Driving a truck, saw another guy walking in the rain in a suit. As you know, how they said he jumped out of the airplane in a suit, and you're more likely to pick up a hitchhiker in a suit and tie than crappy clothing. Mm-hmm. This guy still did not pick him up because I didn't have any room in my truck. So he just drove to the nearest like cafe, and eventually that guy showed up too and was like, Can you give my friend directions to pick me up from here? And they're saying that guy was D.B. Cooper that he saw. And they're trying to, like, recreate it. I don't know. It was very complex, and I really didn't understand it. And I don't think the FBI ever says, no, for sure, this guy wasn't. Like, it has in most of all of these. So, there's that story. Robert Weasley. (laughs) Seriously? Robert Weasley Rackstraw uh, was a retired pilot and ex-convict who served on an Army helicopter crew and other units during the Vietnam War. He came to the attention of the Cooper Task Force in February 1978 after he was arrested in Iran and deported to the U.S. to face explosive possessions and check kit- kiting. Mm, check kiting charges. Several months later, while released on bail, Rackstraw attempted to fake his own death by radioing a false mayday call and telling controllers that he was bailing out of a rented plane over Monterey Bay. Police later arrested him in Fullerton on additional charges of forging federal pilot certificates. The plane he claimed to have ditched was found repainted in a nearby hangar. So he was going to keep using that plane. Investigators noted that his physical resemblance to the Cooper composite sketches 
Military parachute training and criminal record, but eliminated him as a suspect in 1979 after no direct evidence. One of the Flight 305 flight attendants reported that he did not find any similarities between the photos of Rack Straw in the 1970 from the 1970s in her recollection of Cooper's appearance. Then they reopened it in 19 or in 2016. They reopened his case, and he said, "It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's a lot of expletive, and they know it." I'm assuming bullshit. Bullshit. I told everybody I was the hijacker before explaining the admission was a stunt. So he's like, sure, it's me. And everyone loses their mind. It's like, Just kidding. It wasn't me. Dwayne L. Weber was a World War II Army veteran who served time in at least six prisons from 1945 to 1968 for burglary and forgery. He was proposed as a suspect by his widow based primarily on a deathbed confession three days before he died in 1995. He told his wife, I am D.B. Cooper. Dun, dun. Or I am Dan Cooper. Yeah. And she'd be like, who? Who? That's what she did. The name meant nothing to her. <laughs> so was, okay, can I get you anything? <laughs> was that his last? Those were his last words? I don't like, know. Or if he's like an admission. Because you would have thought he would have said no. He would have ex- tried to explain it to her. Or if he finally said, oof, got that off my chest. chest. Yeah. The name meant nothing to or her, Or if he said. was taking like morphine at the end yeah. and just thought- I know it would be fun to fuck with this old lady. (laughs) I'm going to die anyway, so I'm not going to be here to listen to her be pissed off about it. But months later, a friend told her of its significance in the hijacking. She went to her local library to research D.B. Cooper and found Max Gunther's book and discovered notations in the margin in her husband's handwriting. (gasps) She then recalled in retrospect that Weber once had a nightmare during which he talked in his sleep about jumping from a plane, leaving his fingerprints on the aft stairs. He also reportedly told her that an old knee injury had been incurred by jumping out of a plane. Like the hijacker, Weber drank bourbon, bourbon, and chain smoked bourbon. (laughs) Other circumstantial evidence included a 1979 trip to Seattle in the Columbia River during which Weber took a walk along the riverbank alone in the Tina Bay area. Four months later, Brian Ingram made his ransom cash discovery. Which he got to keep some of, but then the insurance was like, nah, like, we want that back. We gotta get that. The FBI eliminated Weber as an active suspect in July 1988 when his fingerprints did not match any of those processed in the hijacked plane. And no other direct evidence could be found to implicate him. Later, his DNA also failed to match the samples recovered from Cooper's tie. Though the Bureau has since conceded that they cannot be certain that the organic material on the tie came from Cooper. But they're still going to test it against it like it is the answer. Like, sorry, it didn't match this DNA that we just have. Sorry. It's like, I'd be running their DNA through all types of databases to see if I can get them on a crime. See, I want to know when they say they have a partial profile, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. And they found a bunch of other chemicals on his tie, too, that you can only get from working in a metal plant of some sort. But because he wore a tie, they're like, maybe he was a manager of the metal plants. Because that would be the only ones wearing a tie. It's very strange. Okay. These are the hijackers. You don't have to remember their names or anything. It's just funny how people think they're going to get away with hijacking a plane and what they ask for during the process. You can if your uh, your end game is you want to crash the fucker. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, nowadays, no. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cooper was not the first to attempt an air piracy for personal gain. In early November 1971, for example, a Canadian man named Paul Joseph Sinney, C-I-N-I. I wonder if anyone's ever thought about you know, I'm going to commandeer this uh, this uh, airplane, and I'm going to do it with a parrot, an eye patch, 
and a peg leg <laughs> and a big captain's hat. And say, I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I am the captain now. He hijacked an Air Canadian DC-8 over Montana, but was overpowered by the crew when he put down his shotgun to strap on the parachute he had brought with him. Cooper's apparent success inspired a flurry of imitators, mostly during 1972. So people are like, hey, if that guy can do it, I can do it. But Cooper didn't get attacked by any of the flight crew because he was so polite to all of them, I think. Like, he even tipped the waitress, offered to order their meals when they landed. Like, hey, what do you got? Are you hungry? Want McDonald's? Chick-fil-A? Like, what do you, what do you want? Look at all those chickens. Look at all those chickens. Those are ducks. She's corrected me before. <laughs> Those are ducks. God. The only smart one in this house. <laughs> She's mostly right. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett Brock Trapinell hijacked a TWA airline en route from Los Angeles to New York City in January 1972. He demanded $306,800 in cash in the release of Angela Davis and an audience with President Richard Nixon. After the aircraft Dick Nixon. landed at JFK International Airport, he was shot and wounded by FBI agents and arrested. I don't know who Angela Davis is. I guess I could have. He wanted her released, though. Uh, Richard Charles LaPointe, an Army veteran and New England beach bum, <laughs> boarded Hughes Airport. Which I don't understand. It's not warm all year. No, your bums would be cold. <laughs> boarded Hughes Air West Flight 800 at McCarran Airport in Los Angeles on January 20th, 1972. Las Vegas. Did I say that? You said Los Angeles. Las Vegas, you're right, sorry. Brandishing what he claimed was a bomb. While the DC-9 was on the taxiway, he demanded 50,000, two parachutes, and a helmet. He had learned. D.B. Cooper didn't ask for a helmet. <laughs> After releasing the 51 passengers and two flight attendants, he ordered the plane on the eastward trajectory toward Denver. Then bailed out over the treeless plains of northeastern Colorado. Authorities tracked the, the locator equipment, para, the locator equipped parachute, and his footprints in the snow and mud. Apprehended him a few hours later. So they put a tracker. So why didn't they put that in DB Cooper's like parachutes? They're like, well, we gave him one that didn't work they were, at all. They so. were distressed, I think. <laughs> yeah, Frederick Hanneman Hanneman used a handgun. Hanneman. Hanneman. Hyman. Hyman. Used a handgun. Buster. <laughs> I've been bust. Great. Thank you. Used a handgun to hijack an Eastern Airline 727 in Allentown, Pennsylvania in May 1972, demanding $303,000 specifically, and eventually parachuted into Honduras, his country of birth. A month later, the FBI in pursuit and a $25,000 bounty on his head, he surrendered to the American Embassy in a name that I'm not going to try to pronounce. But he actually got, even the FBI found him in another country. And it's like, how did we not find D.B. Cooper in the same country? must have had more information about this guy. Yeah. And the fact that he, that was probably known that was, that was his country yeah. of origin. Like, if you were going to go somewhere, that would probably be the first place I would look. Yep. Robin Dolan Hetty, a paratrooper and Vietnam veteran, stormed the United Airlines 727 in Reno in early June 1972, extorted 200,000 in two parachutes, and jumped into darkness near Washu Lake, about 25 miles south of Reno. Police found Hetty's car sporting a United States Paratrooper Association bumper sticker. You're like, dude, this is his, <laughs> this is his car. <laughs> Parked near the lake and arrested him as he returned the next morning. Like, this your car? This this your car with the bumper sticker? <laughs> like, oh fuck. 
Like, so he thought he was going to get an easy getaway, too. Jeez. Okay, this is the important one. Martin McNally, an unemployed service station attendant, used a submachine gun in late June 1972 to commandeer an American Airlines 727 en route from St. Louis to Tulsa, <laughs> then diverted it eastward to Indiana and bailed out with 500000 in ransom. McNally lost the ransom money as he exited the aircraft but landed safely near Peru, Indiana. Peru. And was apprehended a few days later in Detroit. What's yeah. the point of doing all that if you can't even secure the money? Money. Properly? That's what they're saying is that D.B. Cooper lost the money. I was like, but wouldn't it be like raining $100 bill? I don't like, know. Like everywhere? Do know how it was packaged? I don't know. I mean, it's probably $20. But, but if it so was like, in like a plastic baggie, like it could have remained in the baggie all the but way then, down. Yeah, rubber the, bands. Rubber bands. The ones washed up, but it wasn't very much compared to how much was given to him in the first place. So it's like, I think he died. With it still attached to him. And we haven't found but his body. But where's his body? I don't know. We haven't found it. How did the money get in the river? In a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> I don't know. So that guy, Martin McNally, could probably be an episode. I'm not sure how much information. But I think he was an odd character. In all, 15 hijackings similar to Cooper's, all unsuccessful, were attempted in 1972. So it was like, if you flew frequently, they would like, like I have a chance of being hijacked today. On this flight. Pilots are like, again? Again! With the advent of universal luggage searches in 1973, the general incidences of hijacking dropped dramatically. There were no further notable Cooper imitators until July 11, 1980, when Glenn K. Tripp seized Northwest Flight 608 at Seattle-Tacoma Airport, demanding $600. Two parachutes. I want the the price of this ticket refunded to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two parachutes and the assassination of his boss which i don't know who his boss was hmm. but kill that motherfucker pay for my flight <laughs> a quick thinking flight attendant had secretly drugged trips alcoholic beverage probably bourbon with valium after a 10-hour standoff during which trip reduced his demands to three cheeseburgers <laughs> from I'm, where i don't know it depends like that makes a difference he wanted three cheeseburgers and a head start on a getaway. I need you to pay the price of my ticket. <laughs> maybe or maybe not kill my boss, depending if it works out like how I wanted to. But then at least three cheeseburgers. You gotta wonder if they uh, if they appeased him. Like, here's your cheeseburgers. All right, now we're gonna sit here. We're gonna give you a head start. All right, we're gonna turn on. We're gonna count to a hundred. Okay. <laughs> All right, ready? Go. One Mississippi, two I would like Mississippi. To know. All right, go get him. <laughs> yeah, they're like, never mind, fuck this. I would like to know if that what actually happened. He was apprehended. Well, yeah. But how far did he make it? I don't know. Yeah. Down the taxiway. What if they way? were like, you can get two sandwiches, and we can arrest you now? <laughs> like, do I get to eat them in the car? <laughs> like, yeah, you can eat them in the car. <laughs> but on January twenty first, nineteen eighty three, while still on probation, he hijacked the same Northwest flight this time en route and demanded to be flown to Afghanistan. When the plane landed in Portland, he was shot and killed by FBI agents. So, like, we're not doing this again. No cheeseburgers, no hamburgers, no french fries. Number one, if you attempted to hijack an airplane now, you would probably never see the light of day. Oh, they don't like it at all, man. And even if you did, there's probably facial, there's probably facial recognition security cameras Mm -hmm. at almost every airport in the United States now. So, as soon as your mug showed up there... You'd be shot. Oh yeah, they'd I mean, shoot you. You wouldn't make it. You mm. you wouldn't make it to the ticket counter. 
to buy your that might not be true you might be able to get it but as soon as you try to buy a ticket yeah they mm-hmm. yeah i can't believe it. he tried it twice it did not work out did he did you enjoy those three it was like those are the best three hamburgers i had in my Where entire life from? <laughs> i don't know he goes we're gonna answer it finally for all what once is- and for all give me one from five guys oh yeah <laughs> one from whataburger and one from that place in California that we can't get here. In and out. In and out. In and out. I it's that's my good. favorite game I've to play with had. your sister. What? Yeah. Yeah. We cannot get in and out burgers here and I'm bitter about it. They're damn good. Uh-huh. Okay. So they kind of what Daniel was talking about, up to airport security just a smidge after all this. The Cooper hijacking marked the beginning of the end for unfettered and unscrutinized commercial airline travel. Despite the initiation of the federal sky marshal program the previous year, 31 hijackings were committed in the U.S. airspace in 1972. 19 of them were for the specific purpose of extorting money, and most of the rest were attempts to reach Cuba. Cuba. Why, why did everyone go to Cuba? I don't know. I don't know. Close to the United States? Maybe. 15 of the extortion cases, the hijackers also demanded parachutes, which is always a good thing to have as long as they're not sewn shut like the one that D.B. Cooper got. In early 1973, the FFA began requiring airlines to search all the passengers and their bags. Whoop whoop, if you tape a dildo to a water bottle and send it through the airport, they will notice. Yep, (laughs) they sure will. (laughs) I have proof. (laughs) Amid multiple lawsuit charges that such searches violated Fourth Amendment protection against search and seizure, Federal courts ruled that they were acceptable when applied universally and when limited to searches for weapons and explosives and liquids and dildos. Only two hijackings were attempted in 1973, both by psychiatric patients, one of whom intended to crash the airliner into the White House to kill President Nixon. Reagan. (laughs) Kill Ronald Reagan. (laughs) He ran catcher in the rye. Yeah. In the wake of multiple copycat hijackings in 1972, the FFA required that all Boeing 727 aircrafts be fitted with a device later dubbed the Cooper Van, Vane, Cooper Vane, that prevented lowering of the aft stairs during flight. As a direct result of the hijacking, the installation of peepholes were mandated in all cockpits. They like, put their eyeballs and go, what's going on back there? <laughs> and no one could ever, like, tape anything over that hole. Just a hole. That's <laughs> in my eyeballs. Peoples mandated to all cockpit doors. This made it possible for the cockpit crew to observe people in the passenger cabin without having to open the cockpit doors. <laughs> cockpit. We like to play that game, too. No, oh, it was wrong. No, it's called an armpit no. job. What? Like so this. You make it fart. Here. No, it's not. <laughs> and it makes that noise. It goes. I've never been able to make my hand fart under my armpit. I, I have not. Been I have not. too. One of my many life regrets. <laughs> July 8, 2016, the FBI announced that it was suspending active investigation of the Cooper case, citing a need to focus its investigative resources and manpower on issues of higher and more urgent priority. Local field offices will continue to accept any legitimate physical evidence related specifically to the parachute or the ransom money that may emerge in the future. The 60 volume case file compiled over the 45 year course of the investigation will be preserved for the historical purposes at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. D.C. and the D.B. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> so, yeah, I can't answer. I don't know who he is. I think he died. So you lied? I did You said lie. I would get some clarification. 
You watched a four-hour documentary. Get, we did get some clarification. You're not afraid of them because of the uh, fucking sketch, the sketch. For those. and Doctor Doctor Cooper, Doctor Pepper might make your rad smell. We don't know for sure. It's there's no if way anyone can do the science, do a science and give us the update with a science. I don't know. I'm gonna hypo- hypothesize that if you drink enough of it, it may affect <laughs> Just it. Talking about DB Cooper. <laughs> yeah, they don't know who the fuck did it. People have come up with like bits and pieces of parachute. Like, is this it? And it's like. It, what do we say though? The explosion of Mount Vesuvius is that what I said? Yeah, you know, that that might have destroyed any evidence too, or covered it up. I don't, I don't know how volcanoes work. Volcanoes? Volcanoes? I'm not a volcanist. <laughs> I don't know how the volcanoes. Work. I know lava's hot. <laughs> Super hot. I like to watch lava too. What's that called? When you're so- that videos like that are soothing. Soothingvideos.com of, of lava. <laughs> soothing videos of lava. I'm sure if I search that, it would come up. <laughs> Like, look at it. It's slow, but like fast at the same time. <laughs> okay, it's are really you high. Smooth. It's smooth. Yes, the website there, the Instagram. If you're high, account. if you high, I if love that high. one. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it's got some cool stuff on there. Okay, did we all learn something? Are we all? I mean, for I mean, I know you two learned something. What I learned. That Dr. Pepper <laughs> makes your cooter smell. Cooter. <laughs> I didn't want to learn that. That's when that. it goes when you have Dr. Pepper. That's when it goes from being a vagina to a cooter. <laughs> when it starts to smell like a farm animal. You can call it a cooter. Cooter, cooter. Someone I worked with used to have a bumper sticker on the back of their car that said, kick him in the cooter. That's not very nice. <laughs> it's not very nice. No, but it was funny. <laughs> I can't stop. I will smack you. Bomb, 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 bomb. Okay. I think that's it, right? We didn't learn anything, but I guess it was entertaining. Fuck. Kids are weird. Sipping on sauce. People jumping from planes, hijacking shit. The world is a safer place now on planes, right? It it should be, at least. They got peepholes. You can't lower them aft stairs. I mean, everyone has a camera on their phone. They can scan for dildos. I feel real safe. I'm fine with it. I mean, honestly. You I have a dildo scanner. Dildo, I like it. Pickles dildo. Okay, you stop yawning, motherfucker. Okay, and tell them where to find us. Instagram and Twitter at Who's Your Homicide. We also have a Facebook page. We respond to most comments if they're. Nice. If they're nice. Well, some are private messages just to be mean. Um, but if they're mean, we respond to them as well. On just amongst one another. Which it's is funny. Yeah. We, just put we do community shaming. I'm okay with it. Amazing. I took her name out. We yeah. like to say no this shaming or that shaming. Unless you do something to us, then we're allowed to do it. It's, Anonymously. Remember, it's Hillbilly, not Hicks. Yeah. Get it right. Get it right or pay the price. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have Patreon people. I will think next time I'm going to do a better job. Write that down. They get stickers. You have to email your address to get stickers. We like Patreon people because they're our best friends. And I would say we have some stuff planned out for the Patreon. Yes, we're going to do some different stuff. We're planning some things. Things are in the works. Some magical some magical fun stuff. We're yeah. Start putting out videos with them. People talk about it. Other people do YouTube. And I was like, I had to put a bra on and like makeup and shit. Like, no. There's a lot of thought that goes into YouTube videos. We could do. We could do YouTube. But here's the catch. I get to wear the, a horse head. 
the whole time. What if we wore disguises? Nobody knew who we were. That's what I'm going to do. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Look, guys, I won't won't blow up the live show, but you have to let me wear the horse head. (laughs) Blow up the live show. And you have to refer to me as Mr. Horse. What if we had started this all as like we took on aliases and like Mm -hmm. gave gave ourselves like rich backstories? That would have been cool. I would be the same. I would be exactly. I would go by Dick Trickle. Dick Dick Trickle. Trickle. That's pretty good. That was good. That's that was an actual race car driver. He was a NASCAR driver. I definitely take that. I went to a uh, the where the Indianapolis Indians, our AAA baseball team, where they used their original place downtown was off 16th Street, Bush Stadium. Mm -hmm. Well, when they built the new place, they turned it into a sprint car facility or a sprint car track. And now it's apartments. But anyways, I went to a race there one night, and there was a bumper sticker that said, Racing makes my dick trickle. <laughs> That's clever. If, okay. if it does, you should get it checked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, live show, April 18th at the Vogue. It makes it sound really cool. Really cool. But you have to go buy a ticket, $10. Now, 13 at the gate. Come hang out. It's like 3 to 6, something like that. They sell beer. They do. There is alcohol there. Just pay for a stranger to pick you up in a car and take you home. Like it's the 70s. Buck wild. <laughs> no, I know what we can do. If you sign up, if you commit to us $100 at the show, Carla will drive you home. Yeah. Really? Really? In a tux. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> okay. And for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of the, the corn. corn. And away from Dr. Pepper. Ooh, gross. <laughs>